0: Well, this morning we're going to see a spiritual prayer that Paul prays for the church at Colossae. And not only are we going to see the prayer and the two different aspects of prayer that he prays for this church, but we're also going to see some aspects that we can think about in our lives. You know, are we thankful like Paul is thankful for the things that God has given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ? And then we're going to see some aspects that he prays for them, making intercession on their behalf for spiritual growth, so that they'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, so that they can persevere in their ministry. And we need to be thinking about that, praying for that for each one of us and for others in the body, just as Paul is praying this for the church at Colossae. So let's see an outline of what we're going to see this morning. In verses 1 through 14, we're going to see Paul's prayer. In verses 1 and 2 is the salutation. Who's writing and who is he writing to? And we'll see how he describes the believers at the church at Colossae. Then we'll see a prayer of thanksgiving in verses 3 through 8. It's all one sentence. And he's thanking God for these believers, for their faithfulness, and um, some other things that we can think about in our lives. And then he makes intercession, prayer for growth, a prayer for them to persevere in their ministry, a prayer not just for growth, but so that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So as we begin thinking about the salutation Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and we'll see that in verse 1, while he's in prison in Rome in approximately 60 A.D. He's writing to combat errors and to show that they have everything they need in Christ. Some false teachers have come in and they've presented a false gospel. They watered down the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul is writing to set them straight, to make sure that they continue in their faithfulness to Christ. But before he gets to that, he gives thanks for who they are and what they were doing. And then he prays for their continued growth and faithfulness. It's not a prayer of physical needs that we so often think about. You know, whenever we ask for prayer requests of people, generally it's for the physical needs, the physical things that are going on in life. You know, pray for me at my job. I got some things going on there. Pray for my health. Pray for my family's health. And so we're always thinking about physical needs. But the truth is we're in a spiritual battle. And there are spiritual things that are going on around us. And we need spiritual prayers. We need prayers for growth. Prayers for knowledge. Prayers for perseverance in the ministry. Because we've all been given a ministry. A ministry of reconciliation that we are to be taking to this world. So this prayer is something we can use as an example as we are praying for one another in the body. But before we get to the prayer, let's look at the salutation beginning in verse 1, where Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother, Paul, we see here, is the author and he shows his authority by stating that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle is one sent forth with authority. And look at how he received his apostleship. It was by the will of God. He didn't choose the position, but God chose him for the position. And the truth is, God has chosen each and every one of us. He's put us in a specific place at a specific time for a specific purpose. He's given us different gifts, talents, and abilities to use to serve others in the body and to serve God and to serve our community. And the truth is, you know, just as Paul didn't get his apostleship um, through, it came directly from God, God chooses us. We're not apostles, but we are ambassadors who've been given a ministry. We've been given gifts, talents, and abilities that we are to use to serve God and others. Paul goes on to say, and Timothy our brother. So Timothy is there with him. And I think this is a key because again, going back to the Great Commission, Jesus tells his disciples to teach these people that you're you're teaching, teach them to obey, to live out all that I have commanded you. So we don't just teach them the word, but we teach them in word and deed. We bring them alongside of us as we're doing ministry and we see that that is what Paul is doing in this letter. He's got Timothy there with him, even as he receives this inspiration, this word from the Holy Spirit. Look on with me to verse 2, as we see who he is writing to, and how he describes them. In verse 2, he says, "...to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father." So he's writing to believers, to the church, who were at Colossae, and we know that they're believers through the way he describes them. Notice he calls them saints. He calls them brethren. He says they are in Christ, and so it's clear that they are believers. But he goes on and says also that they are faithful believers. And that's what each and every one of us should be striving for. You know, 1 Corinthians 4.2, Moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found Faithful. God has given us these gifts, talents, and abilities, and we need to be faithful stewards of those gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given to us and use them for His honor and His glory. Whenever we get to the end of our lives, what do we want to hear Him say? We want to hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Paul goes on to describe their faithfulness in his prayer here in just a few verses. But before he gets to that, he ends this salutation with grace and peace. These are two key words that we need to think about. You know, and and it is by grace that we're saved through faith. It's that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. None of us who are here deserve to be in a relationship with God for all eternity, but by grace We get his unmerited favor. He gives us the gift of eternal life by simply believing in him. And we receive peace, the peace of God, whenever we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So we have peace with God. We have the peace of God as we live the Christian life. And so, since we understand grace, since We have the peace of Christ. We need to be sharing the the grace message with unbelievers. We need to let them understand that they can have peace even in trials and tribulations and storms of life because of their connection with God. Now, Paul moves on to his prayer, and there are two aspects of prayer that we're going to see this morning, and they are thanksgiving and intercession. His prayer of thanksgiving is found in verses 3 through 8. Then, in verses 9 through 14, he makes a prayer of intercession where he's asking on behalf of the believers at Colossae. Verses 3 through 8 are all one sentence in the Greek, and let's begin looking at that in verse 3. Look at what he says. He says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Notice how he starts off. They give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what he's going to do here in this book is to show who Jesus Christ is. And he even starts his teaching even in his prayer. He's pointing out that God is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the truth is, whenever we pray to God, we pray to God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because what did Jesus Christ do? He left the glories of heaven, he became a man, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross paying for sin, he arose from the grave conquering death and where is he now? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is our advocate and our intercessor and he goes to God the Father for us on our behalf. And so we go to God the Father in the name of Jesus. And notice what it says there. He didn't wait for prayer requests to be made, but he prayed for them always. You know, we should be doing that as well. As believers in Christ, we should be praying for one another in the body. We should be praying for each other, praying for spiritual prayers, prayers of growth. We don't have to wait until something happens and then somebody comes to us and says, be praying for us. You know, at Stillwater Bible, we say we go from big groups to small groups to serve. Whenever you get into those small groups, you get in connection with people. You get to see what's going on in their lives. And that's why we emphasize you to get in small groups, get in those grow groups, get in SBI classes, get in smaller group Bible studies together so you can get to know one another, so you can see the spiritual things that, that they need prayer for and the growth. And you can be help hold each other accountable in these groups. And so Paul, he loves this church. He hasn't even been there. He just hears it and we'll see that later on from Epaphras, this this fellow bondservant of them and of this church and of Paul. And so Paul hasn't even been there, but he's praying for these believers. And we should be praying for one another always. As we move on... In verses 4 and 5, I want to point out there's three key words that stand out here. They are faith, hope, and love. You know, we all know 1 Corinthians 13, 13. My daughter's going to quote 1 Corinthians 13 in the second service today. But in there, it ends with faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. We're going to see all three of these aspects in this in these verses this morning. Look with me at verses 4 and 5. He says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So these believers were not just believers. Remember, he's already said that they were faithful. But we see here that, that Paul is thanking God not only for their faith in Jesus, but also for their love of the saints. And so we know from John 13 that all men will know we are His disciples by their love for one another. So these aren't just believers, they're not just faithful believers, these are believers who are Jesus' disciples. And so what does He want for His disciples? He wants them to make disciples, He wants them to evangelize, He wants them to grow, and we'll see that as we go on throughout our passage So they demonstrated their hope through their faith and love. They were faithful and loving because of the hope that they had that awaited them. John Lightfoot has a quote that says, Faith rests on the past. Because of what God has done, we've seen His faithfulness. We have faith in Him. Love works in the present and hope looks to the future. And hope, in the biblical sense, is not a word like, I hope it doesn't rain today, but it's eager anticipation. They live in faith. They live in love because of the hope they have. They know that Jesus Christ has promised that He'll come back and get them and take them to be with Him forever. But where did their hope come from? It came from hearing the word of truth, the gospel. They heard the word of truth, the gospel. they heard it from this man, Epaphras, that we're going to see here in just a second. But the truth is, we need to be sharing the word of truth with other people. We need to share the gospel with other people. Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. How are people gonna know about the peace, the grace of God, the hope that they can have in Jesus Christ without us sharing the message? The message is, is that Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven. He became a man. He lived a perfect life and he willingly went to the cross of Calvary and died for you. He died for me. He died for the entire world. He arose from the grave three days later as we talked about last week on Easter Sunday that Jesus arose from the grave just as he said he would do. And now he has the power over death. He's conquered death for all people through his resurrection. And so all people get to exist forever. But how do we live forever with him? It's by what he what Jesus himself said in John 3:16 that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So if you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, right where you're sitting, you can believe in him and he offers you the gift of eternal life. You may say, well, my life is too bad. Um, You don't understand what I've done. It doesn't say for the good people. It says for whoever believes in him. And that's what Paul goes on to state in verse six. He says, this gospel of truth, which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. So the message didn't stop with them. Believing in Jesus Christ is not the end, it's the beginning. We're born again, new creations in Christ who've been given the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. As His representatives, we're to be begging people to be reconciled to God. One way we can bear fruit is by sharing the gospel. But we don't just want to share the gospel with people and leave them as infants, as babes in Christ. We want to grow them up. And that was what Paul wanted. That's what Jesus gave in that commission, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Teaching them to be disciples so that they can make disciples. And that's what Paul does in Colossians 1.28. 28 and 29, he says, we proclaim him. We proclaim Jesus Christ to the world, to the unbelievers. And we proclaim what it is that he did and how they can have eternal life by, through him. But we don't just want to leave him there. He says, we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that the purpose is... Why do we admonish them, teach them so that we'll present every man complete in Christ that has the idea of maturity? We want people to grow up, we want them to mature. And so, what does Paul say? He goes on and says, I labor striving according to His power which mightily works within me. And so it's a laborious work to be in ministry, but we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've all been given the ministry to be disciples, to make disciples. And that's what Paul was given as well. And he labored, he strived for it. Not in his own strength and in his own power, because in our own strength and our own power, we can't succeed. But through Christ's power in us, we can succeed. And we're going to see that more here in just a minute. And Paul had heard that they was doing just this thing, that the believers in Colossae were growing and that they were sharing the message of Jesus Christ. So we don't just want to give people the message and leave them with it. We want to make sure that they understand and that they grow. And we want to make sure that they grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ so they can be disciples and make disciples. Well, they heard the message, they understood it because they were taught it by one of their own. And I think that's important. They heard it from one of their own. So how are our children going to hear it? Are we just going to send them to school? Are we just going to send them to church and expect them to hear it there? No, it's up to us who God gave us the authority over those children so that we can teach them, so that they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why are there other believers in this body? Some are farther along than others. So the ones that are farther along need to be taking the ones that are not as far along and teaching them and growing them in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So he heard it from from one of their own. But look at what else he's doing through this. He says in verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved Bella Bond servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Notice what Paul is doing here. He found a common ground on which he can use so that whenever he teaches them, it is agreed upon by one that, that taught them, by the one that, that led them to faith in Christ. And the truth is, it is helpful to find common ground when we're talking to others about Christ. It, knowing your audience and relating to them helps them to be attentive to what it is that you're saying and doing. Listen to what Paul has to say about Epaphras at the end of this letter in Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. He says, "...Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers." that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. See Epaphras, one who shared the message with them, one who made sure they understood it and learned it, also cared about their spiritual growth. So he was always... Earnestly laboring for them in his prayers, he prayed that they may stand perfect, fully assured in the will of God. You know, wouldn't it be great to know that others in this body are praying for you? This type of a prayer, a spiritual prayer of of knowledge, of growth, of the will of God in your life. Wouldn't it be great for us to be praying that for one another in the body of Christ? That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're unified. We're one body with many members. And we are to be connected. We're to be growing. We're to be growing spiritually. And we're to be praying for one another because there is a spiritual battle that is going on around us. So we need to be praying for one another. In verse 2, Paul stated that he heard from Epaphras about their faith and love. He just talked about how Epaphras had talked about their faith. And in verse 8, he goes on and says, And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So again, we see that they're not just believers. These are disciples. They are known by their love for one another. They're known for their faith. Are we a church that's known for our faith and love? In the community, do people know us by our faith and by our love? Do we stand out as Christians in our workplace? Do we stand out as Christians in our neighborhoods? Do the people in our community see us loving on one another whenever we're out there in the community? And whenever, if they see that from us, then they're going to want to come in and be a part of it. And so we need to be known like this church, known for our faith and love. So what have we seen so far? We've seen a prayer of thanksgiving that is always being made on behalf of the believers at the church of Colossae. Paul and those who are with him were thanking God for their faith in Christ and their love that they have for all the saints because of the hope they have heard through the gospel by Epaphras, a fellow bondservant of them in Christ. Now the prayer turns from thanksgiving to intercession. Just as verses 3 through 8 were all one verse in the Greek, the same is true here. We have all one, or not all one verse, but all one sentence. The same is true here for verses 9 all the way through 20. But we're only going to look at verses 9 through 14 this morning. But the prayer turns from thanksgiving to intercession. The prayer is for knowledge. And knowledge for the purpose that they'd walk worthy of Christ. And that they will persevere In the will of God. So look with me at verse 9. It says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Since the day they heard about the church at Colossae, their faith, their love, and their hope... Not only were they thanking God, but they were also making intercession for them. They prayed, they asked of God that they would be filled with the knowledge. And the knowledge there, the word used is epigenosis. It means full knowledge. We don't just want to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. We want to know Him for all He is. For the person that He is. That He is our brother he is our our friend. He is our comforter. He's our counselor. He is our savior. But he is so much more. And so they wanted to have full knowledge of Jesus Christ, His will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And whenever and why were they praying for this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding? Look with me at verses ten through twelve. It starts out with so that. That's a purpose statement so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 10 starts out with, So that, and like I said, it's a purpose statement. They were not praying they were not praying for knowledge so that they could be smarter sinners but that so that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You know so many people go from Bible study to Bible study and they've got all of this information stored up in their mind and they know what the Bible says but then they go out and they live like sinners each and every day. They live like unbelievers each and every day. They're carnal Christians but That's not what God wants for us. He doesn't just want us to know and know and know all of His information. That just puffs us up. He wants us to know the information so that we'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So, they prayed that they would be imitators of God as beloved children. That's what He wanted for their lives. But how do they do that? And Paul gives four ways there. That they bear fruit. That they grow as it says they're increasing. They're gaining strength and giving thanks. Let's look at these four things in the flow of the passage as they all go together. But the question begins with they're bearing fruit in every good work and they grow in their knowledge of God. These two go together. How are we going to bear fruit? Well, it all starts with our fellowship with Christ. In John chapter 15, it says, you know, there's fruit, there's more fruit, and there's much fruit. How do we produce much fruit? It comes from our connection with Christ with our fellowship with Christ. The, the greater connection we have with Christ, the greater power we have to produce fruit. And so we can produce much fruit through our connection with the vine, Jesus Christ. When we're abiding, we're able to bear fruit in every good work because our motives align with His will. And if we are abiding, in, we'll be growing in the knowledge of God because we're spending time with Him and His Word. But not only does this allow us to bear fruit, but it does what He has prayed for in verse 11. It strengthens us with all power according to His glorious might. And notice there, it says it says in that in that verse, not... Uh, Um, Notice not out of His glorious might, because that could mean just a little bit of His might, but it says according to His glorious might. That means we all have God's might at our disposal. All of God's might, all of God's power is at our disposal. And why do we need it? Verse 11 goes on to say, "...for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience." You see, ministry is not easy. Standing for Christ is not easy in a world that is totally against us. You know, we see our world right now is going from bad to worse in an extremely fast manner. We even see some things going on right here in our community that are against God's Word. But how are we going to stand fast in God's Word? How are we going to stand to the truths? We've got to be connected. We've got to have that connection with Jesus Christ. And so we need to attain to that steadfastness. We need to have that strength because ministry is not easy. So we need His power so that we can persevere in ministry and he, that He has for us to do. Then He goes back to thanksgiving. And the truth is we can never thank God enough. If you look through the Bible, all throughout the Bible, you see whenever there's prayers being made that thanksgiving is generally always there. If you think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. If you look at Colossians, there's seven times that Paul stops and gives thanks to God. And it culminates in verse, chapter 4, verse 2, where it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of Thanksgiving with an attitude of thanksgiving. You see, this book starts off with Paul praying for the believers. It ends with Paul asking the believers at Colossae to be praying for him. And he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping the Lord in it. How many times do we go to God in prayer and our mind wanders off to the things that are going on in the world, to the things that we're going to do later today, to the things that we're hoping for And not focusing and keeping alert on what it is that we're doing. How many times do we pray and then we fall asleep in the middle of our prayer? He says, Paul says, be alert. Stay alert in your prayer. Realize who you're talking to. You're talking to God the Father, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You're talking to the Creator, your sustainer, your redeemer, your friend, your comforter, your counselor. That's who you're talking to. So stay alert in your prayer. Who are you praying for? You're praying for yourself, your family, your church family, hopefully as well. And so whenever you're praying for them, keep alert because, you know, your prayers are important to them. And for you. And so, stay alert in your prayers. Well, look on with me at the end of verse 11 and 12. He says, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. It is a joy to know, and we should be thankful that we are qualified to share in an inheritance with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But how are we qualified? And this is where, again, Paul continues to teach even through his prayer, although it is still a part of his prayer. Just like verses 3 through 8 were all one verse, or all one sentence, so were 9 through 20. And look at what Paul writes in these final two verses that we're going to look at this morning. It says, for he, Jesus, or for he, God, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So God rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son so that we could have hope for the future. How did He rescue us? It was through His Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. You see, Christ purchased us by paying a price that we couldn't afford to pay. He died on the cross paying for our sins. And through Him, we received the forgiveness of our sins. When we believed in Jesus Christ, yes, we received eternal life, but we also received Christ's righteousness. It's credited to our account and also we received the forgiveness of sins. So not only were we qualified to receive an inheritance, not only were we transformed from eternal darkness and separation to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we will live forever, but He also forgave us of our sins. And because of this, we can never thank Him enough. So what have we seen this morning? We've seen a spiritual prayer that we as believers should be imitating. We don't have to wait for others to ask us to be praying for them. We know that there is a spiritual battle that's going on around them. So we need to be lifting up spiritual prayers for one another in the body. Giving thanks to God for who they are in Christ and for what we have done, for what He has done for us. But also praying for their continued growth that they'll bear fruit Because of all that Christ has done for us, Paul is going to go on and show these believers at Colossae that they have all they need in Christ. He's not only sufficient to secure their eternal life future, but He's sufficient for them to live out the Christian life. They don't need to seek anything outside of Jesus Christ, they don't need to go for worldly wisdom, for science they just need to seek the person of Jesus Christ and grow deeper in their relationship with Him because He is able to do abundantly and exceedingly beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. So let's think about some applications that we can make today. Number one is let us be praying spiritual prayers for one another. Let's don't just pray for the physical needs of one another. Praying for the physical needs is totally... Um, acceptable, it's great, it's right to do, but let's also think about the spiritual things and be praying for spiritual growth for one another in the body. Number two is let us grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you don't have someone who's discipling you, if you're not in a grow group, if you're not in an SBI class, I encourage you to get in there so that you can dig the word deeper, so that you can know how to dig the word deeper, so that you can dig the word deeper for yourself and so we can grow in the knowledge of God. But... Let's don't grow in the knowledge of God to be smarter sinners. Let's grow in our knowledge of God so that we can walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Let's make application of the truths that we know in our lives. If you say, well, I just don't have time for another Bible study or something right at this time. Well, what is it that you do know right now that you're not doing? Let's walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, And then number four, let us persevere in our ministry. Like I said, we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. Whether you know it or not, you're in ministry. Ministry is not just for a paid position of somebody that, that works at the church. Each and every person who is in the body of Christ has a ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the word. He's given us the ministry. So we are to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel message to unbelievers and groups growing those who are believers in Christ. And finally, let us be thankful. Let us take time to thank God for all it is that He's done for us. You know, so many times we go to God and we're asking Him for things for ourselves, things for other people, but if we stop and we thank Him for all that we already have, a lot of those prayer requests that we, that we think are so important and so big become a lot smaller whenever we realize all that He's already done for us, all that He's already given to us. And so let's take time to thank God for what it is that He's provided for us. Eternal life, strength, power to live out the Christian life. Remember, we can never thank Him enough for all that He's done for us. Let's live in His grace, in His love, in His mercy. Let's share the message of Jesus Christ with those that we come in contact with.